You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. On the Way, the show from the Office for Evangelization Missionary Discipleship at the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Jennifer Delvo, and I'll be your host today. I serve as the senior coordinator in the office. And I am so excited about today's topic because it happens to be one of my favorite things in the world to talk about, and that's hospitality, because there's nothing I love more than being able to cook a big meal to serve to friends or family or to welcome people into a ministry event. And so it's been particularly challenging with this pandemic. And so today I have a fantastic guest that I'm delighted to introduce you to. Her name is Jane Anka. She's director of Ministry Blueprints. And Ministry Blueprints is a self-described little company that teaches, trains, and equips people, parishes, and teams in hospitality, welcome, and innovation. Welcome, Jane. We're delighted to have you today. Hi, Jen. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. And I have to say, when you said a little company that teaches, I have to say that might be kind of inaccurate because I feel like this is such a big subject matter and so important to our church and to the world, particularly at this moment. What I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> what I would love to know is how did you end up focusing on hospitality and welcome? My gosh, that's a great question. I, um, in my other work, I used to work with a national nonprofit, and I traveled around the country and was in almost every diocese and lots of parishes. And one of the things that people would always tell me was, we wish we could have a vibrant parish, or we wish that we were a little bit more warm and welcoming or friendly. I always seem to experience that somewhere else, but not in my own place of work or my own place of worship. And this was bothering me a lot. I was like, why aren't we welcoming? What is going on? So I took a good look at even my own parish. And in, even in our mission statement, it says all are welcome. But most people weren't feeling welcome when they walked through the mm-hmm. doors. So I thought, what is this? I wanted to get to the bottom of it. And that's why I created the little company. I'm like, I'm going to study this and figure it out. I love what you say about, you know, your parish says they're welcoming, but is it really? Because every single parish I have ever crossed the threshold of professionally or personally all over the U.S. or in my travels or on service trips, even all of them tell me how welcoming there are. And I can probably only count on one hand how many felt like I was walking in the door and like I was family or I belonged. What do you think is 
the the disconnect between saying you're welcoming and being welcoming? Well, this is what I've discovered. I really think that if you belong, like if you're a member of the parish and you've been there a while or you're new um, and people know who you are, maybe you're a catechist mm-hmm. or an usher or Eucharistic minister, um, you, you get to be in the in crowd and the inside. And mm-hmm. parishes love their people. They love each other. Um, I've witnessed this all over the place. The pastor will know people by name. You know, when people walk through the door, they're happy to see each other, um, you know, and greet each other. But from the outside, if you're a stranger walking in or a new person or a visitor, you don't get that same experience. And part of the reason is because we leave those responsibilities to designated ministries. So the ushers or the welcomers or the greeters have been assigned that task, and we haven't assigned it to everybody. And that's the problem. It's everybody's job to be welcoming. And if we don't take that responsibility on ourselves, it just becomes, um, you know, a task for someone else to do. And we don't feel like it's part of my, my job as a parishioner. I feel, I feel like by saying that, that it's a part of everyone's job, you might have a little bit of a different definition or understanding of what hospitality and welcome is than perhaps the majority of Catholics who might be in pews or people listening to the show. Would you care to tell me a little bit more about what you think hospitality and welcome is? Yeah. Well, you know, you started out by saying you love to entertain and have people over for dinner. I come from a big Italian family. I married <laughs> into a big Iranian family. So it's all about food mm-hmm. and gathering and getting together and, you know, parties that last, you know, two days long. <laughs> and um, but And people always think that it's about setting the table or putting the food on there. And it is that, but it's a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. So my definition of it is hospitality sets the stage for an encounter with Christ. Mm. So it sets the stage. It isn't the stage, but it sets the stage. It creates the the atmosphere around us, the, um, the place where people feel welcome. They can let their guard down. Somebody knew their name. They belong. Um, the music was nice, the setting was beautiful, there's flowers, whatever it takes to set that stage, um, we open hearts up that way, and that's hospitality. Definitely. Where do you see some of the roots of this understanding of hospitality? Well, I, you know, during my research here, I had to go back and really look at Scripture, and Jesus is the perfect example of someone who extends hospitality all the time first one is he ate with his, his followers all the time. You know, they were cooking on the beach, or they were, you know, getting a room someplace and, and making dinner. But the thing that Jesus did was that he noticed people. And hospitality begins with that. Like, you have to be aware of who's around you. So he noticed the, you know, the leper, the blind, the tax collector, the woman, uh, the woman with the hemorrhage, you know, the children. He noticed them and paid attention to them, called them by name, did something for them, you know, forgave them, loved them, healed them. Um, so it is, it's all built in Scripture that that's how we do. And even in the Old Testament, there's examples of, you know, uh, make sure that you take care of the widows and the poor and the aliens, make sure they have food. Um, in the New Church and the Acts of the Apostles, um, the community lived together and they shared all their belongings with one another so that nobody went hungry. That's the foundation of this. It's, it's noticing our neighbor and acting on that with love. I think that is 
so crucial for people to understand because oftentimes we think hospitality is coffee and donuts and it's having people into the parish hall after mass or providing even fantastic food during an event. But what you're talking about is the sort of the people side, the relational side of this and helping that connection. So it's not just serving the food or having the space be warm and inviting, but then also having individuals who are present to help meet people where they're at and to help them feel like they belong as much as those sort of usual suspects, like you said, that the priest and the community knows so well. Exactly. You are right on with all that. And um, those gatherings are so important, but it's intentionally planning those Mm -hmm. layers, you know, to get to know people and know them by name, walk with them. Uh, I was at a parish once where they had a pancake breakfast for all the newcomers that had joined in the last month. And um, it was a wonderful thing. They had this, you know, the Knights of Columbus made the pancakes and people were waiting. The hall was decorated. But the newcomers came in and nobody sat with them. Mm. Like they had forgotten about them. They did all this other stuff and then <laughs> nobody sat with these these poor people. And I, I thought, this is ironic. You know, they all sat with people they knew and were friends with. And, and that's something the very purpose. we hear so much that people can join a community and they'll look around and they'll see people talking to one another after mass or they'll see, you know, those groups of new parents or the retirees that all know one another and chatting, but they as that newcomer or that new family sitting in the pew by themselves don't have anyone interacting with them. And I I think that's so unfortunate. I know I felt that myself. I've moved around uh, enough times in my adult life where I've been the lone young adult and not quite so young adult. And you kind of look around going, what is it going to take for me to have what they have? What do I have to do? And then especially now working in evangelization, I realize that's the wrong question. I shouldn't have to ask what do I have to do? And so that's part of the reason why with the process that we're going through in the Archdiocese of Chicago, because for those who don't know, Jane is calling in from an area near and dear to my heart, the Diocese of Green Bay, because I have many family members up in that area and I'm from Wisconsin originally myself. But for any listeners also that don't know, the Archdiocese of Chicago is going through this Renew My Church process. And one of the important areas that we focus on once a parish moves into the building the new reality phase is radical hospitality. And so this question of instead of a, an individual walking into our doors and say, what do I have to do to be accepted and belong, is rather what do we as a community have to do to help this person feel the moment they cross the threshold physically, the moment they approach our website or call our parish office, that they feel like they're part of this community and that as you mentioned, Jane, they're seen and they're heard and they're loved from the very first moment. Right. You're so, oh, this is so good <laughs> because it's, and there's, there's so much more to that. Like, how can we actually do that? So I know we're going to get into that. I'm excited about that um, because we want them all to feel like they're part, like they're part of a family when they come in the door. And so one of the things that everyone's struggling with so much at the moment is the fact that many of the ways that we naturally would do this and many of even just the physical cues in interpersonal relationships are removed from our interactions now. You know, we have to wear masks. We have to separate six feet. The permeating smell of hand sanitizer is pretty much (laughs) everywhere. And so the question is, how do we do hospitality 
in the midst of a pandemic? What might be the way that we can approach this and not let this go? Oh, I have a million answers for you. <laughs> so I, the first thing is that um, the parish leadership, they're stretched right now. They really are. You know, I'm thinking about our churches that are trying to do live stream and trying to get their faith formation, yes. you know, things up and running and ministries back to, to, you know, to normal again and RCIA, all those things that are bubbling up again in the fall. So they're strapped, but we have people, our parishes are people. And if we all would take that responsibility, like what, what can I do? And that means that we just have to look around us, first of all, you know, and, and practice this. So it's me. I know my neighbors right now, they're, they're school teachers and they're struggling. Mm, so yeah. I had to ask myself, what could I do to offer hospitality to them during this week when they started things up? And all I could think of was meals or cookies or something. So yeah. I did that. I, I brought cookies down to everybody down the street and just said, if you need something, you know, if you need the kids to come over, I'll do an art class and a little pod for you, you know, on Friday afternoons, <laughs> whatever you might want. And um, I, it's what I could do. I can't do everything, but I can do something. And so I think that we need to, to see what we could do. Um, one of my friends who's a, um, a liturgical minister up here in Door County said she had all these people that wanted to do something like, we feel bad, we can't do our regular, you know, Bible studies and all those mm-hmm. kind of things we used to do as we gathered. So they're, they reinvented their ministry. Mm. And that's a possibility. So what can you do? So you gather your little Bible study, your book club, or the women's group, or the rosary group, and find what else can we do? We're talented people. We're gifted. What could we repurpose right now? So I've seen the most beautiful things happening. I've seen, you know, uh, college students going off with really great care packages, not just the obligatory one at Thanksgiving or Christmas Mm -hmm. or exam time, but this is what you might need to get started, and we're going to keep up with this, you know, every couple weeks, Um, and making a commitment to that or to do something for teachers, or to reach out for the pastor, and they're going to come in and clean, you know, things they never did before. So we're going to pause for a break, and then we're going to come back with Jane Inga from Ministry Blueprints. When you think of the word neighbor, warm and friendly thoughts come to mind. Think of smiles across the yard, positive wishes, and looking out for one another on an ongoing basis. Catholic Charities Neighbors in Need Fund inspires all of these and much more. We've seen an unprecedented number of requests for assistance this year from people who have never needed help before. When you make your gift to the Neighbors in Need Fund, you are igniting hope in the lives of your most vulnerable neighbors, especially individuals and families who continue to struggle to put food on the table and keep a roof over their heads. Your gift will give them the resources they need to overcome the unexpected, very serious circumstances in which they find themselves now. Give online at catholiccharities.net or call 312-948-6087. That's 312-948-6087. Catholic Charities Neighbors in Need Fund. Thank you for helping build a world of kindness, one neighbor to another. 
We invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend, featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the Archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. We'll talk with Cardinal Blaise Supich about ongoing efforts to safely reopen churches and schools. We'll take you to a drive-in mass, one of the more creative ways to worship during the COVID-19 pandemic. And we'll hear from our new priests, the men who were recently ordained to serve the Archdiocese of Chicago. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable, Channel 25, and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network, Channel 100. Welcome back to On The Way. I'm your host, Jen Delvo, talking with Jane Anka from the Diocese of Green Bay, where she has her business, The Ministry Blueprints, and we're just talking about hospitality a bit today. Jane, just before the break, you mentioned a, a very, very well-known reality that our parishes and the staffs and priests are just stretched so thin with the sheer scale of logistics and dealing with the pandemic on a personal level, too. And so I feel like that somewhat begs the question, why should we even bother worrying about hospitality at this point? You know, I feel like that's the one thing people are hungering for right now, because we can't gather. We're not doing things as usual. Um, and so I wanted to say, I think we have to start with our families first, you mm-hmm. know, that you know, that wherever we are, I always say that it's do it with at the end of your nose, like what's your circle here? You know, who who are you responsible for? And I have young adult children and I, I have spent more time listening. They're stressed out, Mm -hmm. you know, about work and about, I've got a daughter that manages a COVID unit in Maui and she's, I'm worried about her all the time, but I need to listen to her into those frustrations and um, others in the medical field too, that they're, they're stressed out. Um, but I'm listening more. And then something that I haven't always done as a personal practice, but I'll just say, what can I, what can I bring in prayer for you today? How can I pray for you? And that changes everything. That is our hospitality as Catholic Christians. It is a gift we can give. It doesn't take anything except our own willingness to step out a little bit in courage and to do something kind like that. And I found that the more I do it, it's it's getting easier. But also, I can do it with the, the cashier at the grocery store who's stressed out or crying or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, wherever I run into people. And I find that this is a little gift that we have. It is being Jesus to the world around us and that kind of hospitality, recognizing. It's like if you can notice people, you can see deeply what's going on in their eyes and their hearts and their minds. And I'll tell you if you ask. So this is where we're at, and our churches need to be the best at it. So if you can offer that, like, hey, I'm going to take my little book club and just call and check in on everybody once a week and see if I can pray for them. That's all we have to do. you know. Mm-hmm. And if all of us did that, man, we would be a whole different community by the time we can gather back together in person if we've just taken care of needs and loved each other up. And then we can do little acts of hospitality that we understand that comes out of those conversations. Maybe someone's in need of a pot of soup. You know, they're all sick at the house or um, they need a, you know, something. We can do that, run an errand for them. That's that hospitality that extends from real love in a community. I definitely agree about the small scale. Um, my best friend, like your daughter, works in a hospital in the Detroit area, which particularly during 
uh, a phase was very hard hit and she just needed somebody to listen to her, especially somebody who was outside of the field and could kind of be a release valve for her frustrations, I think. Um, and I was so impressed with my parish. All of a sudden I started getting all these phone calls and, you know, I, I was getting so many phone calls on my cell phone because, of course, my desk phone was rooting to that thanks to work from home. And so I didn't always pick up. And then I started listening to them. And there was one day where I had two different calls from two volunteers at my home parish. And the next week I got a couple more calls. And I was so impressed that they had that thought, like you're saying, of let's get these people who are ministry heads, who are the volunteers themselves to call all the Eucharistic ministers that they help schedule, to call the people who are involved in their ministry. And they checked in multiple times. And so I think those little things can be so meaningful because, you know, like you say, there's so many people that are isolated and it might be surprising to people who they are because they might be you know, especially in the city area, we have a lot of transplants who don't have family in the area. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know of one parish where there's a large immigrant community and they were particularly hard hit and worried about family back home in China. And they connected their young adults and their seniors in a one-to-one -one relationship so that they could do that sort of connection and uh, allow that relationship building in a safe way so that both ends of kind of that age spectrum felt that they were seen and that they were loved. So beautiful. That, and I think that's uh, being able to be, you know, turn on a dime, to be able to, you know, create something new. If you can't do what's what's your usual thing, then do something different. And this is, the door is wide open. That's why I feel like it's a gift for our churches if we if we can look at it like that. I mean, it's a mm -hmm. tragedy and a travesty for many of us who, you know, know someone who's gotten sick. But um, but our church right now, it's a, it's a time where we're leaning back in. It's like, okay, how do we do this creatively? So I feel like there's there's time for that, and and anything will go. Like, um, I have a friend that uh, she works in Green Bay, and she said her young adult group was, you know, always on Friday nights, and they had a dinner club thing that they would go out and find a new restaurant and eat out and, and chat and share mm -hmm. space. And she said, we couldn't do that anymore. She said that and they were all getting kind of depressed, like, when's mm -hmm. the next time we could do it? And so she decided to put together a cooking show. Oh, fun. And so they do that on Friday night, and it's so laid back. I've been to it a couple times. It's super cute, um, and it's nothing fancy. And nobody really, you know, they someone cooks, and they show their kitchen. They have gotten a little bit fancier, like, you know, adding <laughs> a, a special drink or, uh, you know, learning how to use their cameras better so you can see the stove. Mm -hmm. But but it is to be with each other. That's all it is. It wasn't – it's not the food, but it's the vehicle that gets mm -hmm. in there. And I love it. It's being It's helping us to be creative and see beyond the usual. I know I've had so many conversations with people in the last several months where they say, well, we don't have the technology. We don't have the resources and, you know, or we don't have people who know how to do social media or to stream onto the Internet through one of the various tools. And I always want to push back on them and ask them to think about, well, what are the, the low-tech solutions or the ones that require nothing more mm -hmm. than perhaps that old-fashioned phone call even? And <laughs> I'd love to hear if you have any stories of kind of the, the simple low-tech solutions that have filtered around from the yes. parishes you've worked with. I do. Actually, um, one young woman called me and she said, I had the funniest thing happen. She said, first of all, I need your help. She said, I've got to write, uh, I think, 50 thank you cards to her <laughs> her musicians and liturgical ministers. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. So she brought over half of them, and I wrote them. 
And I said to her, you know, boy, that was a long paragraph next time, maybe just a <laughs> sentence. But, but anyway, we, um, I did them for her, but she called me later. She texted me, and then she said, she said, Jane, I got so many cards back from people. Mm-hmm. They said they had never gotten a card from church before just to thank you for, you know, being a part of things. And I was kind of taken aback by that. I'm like, okay, maybe we forgot about that. But you can certainly send a card. And it doesn't have to be a thank you card, but just I'm thinking of you, mm-hmm. a little postcard, and anybody could do that. You know, you can just pick a few people in your neighborhood or people that you know from a ministry and do that. That's really wonderful. But the other things are just simple ways. Of, I, I've, you know, I love to work with youth and young adults, and they're out and about. You can, you know, chalk their driveways or leave little notes on, you know, signs on on people's front yards or um it just it's just got to be something small i think and and i wanted to just mention that we don't want to do it once and forget about it right we have to be consistent with it so whatever little creative things whether it's something you're going to make or something you're going to bring over to someone's house or drop off or um create a movement like hey everybody's gonna have dinner on friday night take a picture of it and send it around on, on the phone you know, we're mm-hmm. going to do this together as young adults or as high school students. Um, but keep it up because we're we're not good at that, that consistency. And right. if you're talking about building relationships and evangelizing, it, it takes this commitment to it and intentional doing it week after week after week. And I, we grow in it. Oh, definitely. And I think that's so crucial and the consistency and the other part I really want to highlight is how you say the involvement of others, because I think sometimes there can be a tendency for particularly those who do serve in a ministry role or who are that leader who's chair of that commission or head of that ministry to feel like they're the ones who have to do everything. And it's so important, particularly under these circumstances, because no one's uh off the hook from the stress of the pandemic themselves. And so to really have a community, even if, you know, you're taking care of these 15 volunteers, find one or two other people in that group to work with you and to say, okay, I'll do this week's letters. Maybe you can send something out in three, four weeks, you know, to really think through who else and to name them. You know, one of the things we like to talk about, too, is there's a big difference between a volunteer and lifting up missionary disciples. And yeah. that I think this is an opportunity, too, with hospitality where we can tap people and say, I see this gift in you. I see this inclination to love others, to recognize and to share that with them. And I'd love to have your help in this. And that might be something really new to people. I, oh, definitely. And, you know, the, the other fun thing about that is you can gather, even if as the ministry leader, you're not quite sure where to take this, you know, and, mm-hmm. and what your people need, just gather a group of, of people who want to brainstorm and think and innovate around it. That's the beauty of this, is that there's no right or wrong way to do anything. Your people's needs are your people's needs, but you have to uncover them. And who better to ask than the people? So you got to reach out and, and ask, and what's What's the news in the neighborhood today? Or, you know, what's the scoop on the street? We got to know so that we can serve well. Even, and I think that we're going to find we're going to love some things that we create during this pandemic time, and other things are going to fall by the wayside. Like, wow, that's that's just kind of obsolete now because we love each other and know each other. Now we've got to move this way. But also, Jen is using those words like you're saying, like you know, a disciple, 
and missionary. If we use those words and start talking about that, infusing it and all the things we're doing in the outreach, people are going to understand that, that, oh, that's me. I'm a missionary disciple. Wow, I got a job to do. (laughs) Definitely. And it is going to be a time and for some time yet to come, it seems that we really do have to be so intentional about this. And I think the importance of listening to one another, as you highlighted about you know, listening to your family, to your daughter, and then also listening to the needs because there's often that temptation to think we have that great idea or we have the solution and so forth without it actually meeting the need in the community or the want in the community. And so, you know, gathering together those voices and maybe even being creative, whether it's, you know, some people love to send out surveys, but you can also, you know, utilize that social media account that your parish may have or the monthly or weekly newsletter that you might have started sending out via email. So I think we can't underestimate listening in all realms of this. I agree. And I think maybe the other thing is that we we don't need to be afraid to have it be fun Mm -hmm. or enjoyable, joyful, abundant, beautiful. You know, it doesn't have to be the business as usual, but something fun and interesting. People are hungering for all of that you know, in their homes right now. We're stuck in there an awful lot. So how do we bring beauty from the church into our homes? How do we bring that uh, love and that atmosphere and that environment into our homes? So those are yeah. fun questions for a group to kind of mull around. And we'll continue diving into great questions like that after this break with Jane Anka from Ministry Blueprints. Come back to It has been inspiring to see how individuals, families, and communities have found ways to help one another throughout 2020. At Catholic Charities, we usually have 35 to 40 events a year where we gather and enjoy time together in support of important programs and services while raising critical funds that allow us to respond to the growing number of people who are in need of the most basic necessities in life. Many of our events are now virtual. If you would like to be a sponsor for one of these events, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Also, visit us at catholiccharities.net slash events and follow us on social media too. We so look forward to when we can resume our events in person and reconnect with our friends and partners throughout Chicagoland. For now, please consider donating to Catholic Charities so our vital work can continue. Thousands of people in Chicago count on Catholic Charities every day. Please help us help them today. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. Catholic Charities After Supper Visions program offers guests of our Tuesday night supper the opportunity to learn the art of photography. These talented guests who are often experiencing homelessness are offered disposable digital cameras and they work with volunteer professional photographers to learn the basics of taking photos. Then the artists go out and capture images on film of anything they find to be beautiful or interesting in the world. Their photos are amazing. Visit AfterSupperVisions.com to learn more about the artists and their artwork. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn too. At After Supper Visions, we are developing film, talent, and hope.
Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We have been ready through many historic moments and we continue to respond with competence and compassion during these unprecedented times. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the risks, excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who remain open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that to-go meals continue for the homeless, to our home care aides, service coordinators, and trained counselors who continue their work in the most innovative ways, to our food pantry staff, and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you. listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to On the Way, brought to you by the Office for Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Jennifer Delvo, and I'm your host. And today we're talking with Jane Inga, who is Director of Ministry Blueprints. And we now have joining us Kathy McNichols, who is Pastoral Associate and DRE at Incarnation Parish here at uh, the Archdiocese of Chicago. Welcome, Kathy. Good morning. How are you? Doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So we've been chatting about, as I said at the start of the show, one of my favorite things, hospitality. And I am so impressed with some of the things that you've shared in various meetings that we've had about what you're doing in your parish with the reopening process, because I know how technically difficult that is with all of the safety requirements that we need to follow to keep everyone as safe as possible. But you've managed to really fold in some wonderful elements of hospitality. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what you've been doing. Uh, well, thank you, Jen. And good morning, Jane. Um, I appreciate very much that you guys are taking the time this morning to talk about this, because it's also an area that's very near and dear to my heart. And just to share a quick story, um, this morning driving into work, I pulled into Dunkin' Donuts because it's September 11th, and it's a day to be kind and gentle to yourself and others. And when I went to pay, the woman said, the clerk said, oh, the lady in front of you paid for your, your order. And I said, oh, that was so sweet. I said, you know, I'm, I'll pay for the lady behind me then. And she said, you're the seventh person this morning in this line that has continued to pass that on. And my thought was, isn't that the perfect definition of hospitality? We became a community in the Dunkin' Donut lines <laughs> of just people caring about the next person in the car behind. I didn't just let it end with me. I handed it on to the next person. So uh, so in our parish, 
when it became aware that we were going to be able to reopen, I think one of the most important things that we recognized is that the hospitality and welcoming that we had been doing in the past with regards to the stranger as being someone who had not been to our parish before was now going to have to shift and focus on those who would have been considering themselves parishioners and well-known who now were going to feel very strange in a situation that had shifted so dramatically between their experience before to their experience of what they had now. So many of our regular parishioners, our daily mass goers, were now feeling like the alien in their own space. And a lot of the things that we would have done in the past to have them feel welcome in the parish, we would not be able to do. Even something as simple as a smile would no longer be a means of building that sense of familiarity and family and community. So we, we did, we sat down and thought with intentionality, where are the moments where we can build a sense of community and that encounter with the love and the care of Jesus in different ways? Since we don't have a handshake of peace and they're not going to sit together or walk together in the communion line, there'll be big gaps between them and they can't sing or, or do any of those things that we had relied on before as the standard ways of building community and having people feel welcomed and like they belonged in the space. So the first part of it for us was to be intentional about who was going to be probably coming through those doors. Yes, they would be our regular parishioners, but how would they be coming through those doors? Fearful, concerned, confused. Um, facing systems that they were not familiar with. Mm -hmm. So the intentionality that we developed from the very beginning was to try to have points of encounter with them and put different people with different skill sets at those different points of encounter. So what do I mean by that? We asked for volunteers, and we went to our parish organizations and asked them to send forward some helpers to be part of this. And then we put them into spots strategically based on their skill sets. So kind of what you were talking about, Jen, with the giftedness. We looked at their giftedness. So we decided that we really needed to meet people as soon as they pulled into the parking lot because we actually had designated parking spots for people who might be coming for confession or people who were coming for this mass were in this area, that mass were in that area, and we didn't want people to feel confused. So we recruited our youth group who had some very energetic <laughs> and very um, – boppy around kind of young people to be out in the parking lot and let, and let them just be almost like the cheerleaders. Hey, we're so glad you're here. Welcome back. Here's where you need to park. And we also recruited some of the coaches from our, our athletic association who also had that kind of energy, kind of a, a an, an excited outgoing energy to engage them from the minute they hit the parking lot and to welcome them back and talk a little bit about the fact that when they got inside, they would be engaged by another team that would help guide mm -hmm. them. So they knew they were accompanied from the moment they set foot on, on the grounds. They knew they would be accompanied through the process. And then once they entered into the church, we had two separate teams in the back of church, and one of them was the registration team, and they would make sure that we had your name on the list, and if not, we added your name to the list and make sure you've got your mask, mm -hmm. and if not, we have a mask. <laughs> We had a parishioner who donated a bunch of really cute masks, and so we, we, we would say, oh, pick one out from these lovely masks that we have for you. 
and made sure that they were hand sanitized. And then there was a third team, and those were the, um, the most pastoral volunteers, the gentlest, kindest, most, and they actually walked people to their seats, mm-hmm. and they were instructed to listen. They were instructed to say, how are you doing? How has this been for you? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? So we tried to meet them in a variety of different places, points of contact with a variety of different gifts, with a variety of different people involved so that they could understand how much we were concerned about them and wanting them to feel comfortable in their space. You know, Kathy, I love how you bring up a couple of really key ideas that you started from a place of thinking, who are these people that are going to be coming to us and what state are they going to be in? What might they be feeling? You know, so often I don't think we ask ourselves that. And then on the flip side of that, then also thinking about who are these people that are walking in that are volunteering? And in both cases, really seeing the person and and not getting caught up in processes. Because I think, in, especially in a moment when we do have to be so mindful of the processes that we put into place for safety protocols and tracking and so forth, that it can get lost in the shuffle that we're dealing with children of God. And on both sides of this, you've remembered that. And I love how you lift up that idea that it would be easy to get, you know, kind of the ushers who are almost like the gatekeepers of we're going to get everybody to their pew and we're going to get them in there and, you know, get them out of the way. But instead, you turn that into a pastoral moment. And I think that's something to really think about where even these pieces that we do have to do because of a logistical component to ask that question, how can we create this space to see a person, to hear and to really listen? And I think that echoes a lot of what Jane was saying in the first part of this call with the idea of absolutely the need to listen during this time frame. Yeah, and it's ongoing. What we found is so people at the very beginning were so raw and you could see that they just they were almost shell-shocked. There was a lot of trauma in people mm-hmm. the first few weeks that they returned to church, so that was a certain type of pastoral care. As they become more comfortable, it's almost now the opposite end, so there's a little bit of a slouching of the mask <laughs> or a little bit of, oh, I forgot to hand sanitize. So now we're, you know, we, you shift. You have to mm-hmm. keep listening for where the people are. And, and responding to what the needs are, and that is what's exhausting for the volunteers and the staff, is that it's, it's not a one and done. It's not create these, right. these protocols and then boom, and now we're, let's just keep going. It's a, it's a constant accompaniment, but what's been beautiful about it is, so we, we have the protocols that we know that need to be there, but in certain circumstances, for instance, our daily mask goers, we don't require them to call every day that they're coming or mm-hmm. go online every day. We have a running list of about 300 names. There's a lot of the same faces. One of the things we've always prayed as a, as a staff here is that we wish we knew people better and knew their names. I will tell you, we know their names now <laughs> because the same people come in every morning. And so now instead of just they walk past as a blur and sit in their spot, it's, hey, Joe, how's it going? Hi, Sue, how are you? One of the great benefits of hospitality right. has been we have this opportunity to actually know each other by name, which we never would have had that before. 
Definitely. And I think when we come back on the other side of this break, I'd love to explore a little bit more to the question of what can the individuals in the pew do to help with hospitality? So look forward to coming back. Stay tuned. More and more people around the world are interested in their family history. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Throughout our nation and our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced a call to prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A call to prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. Welcome back to On The Way. I'm your host, Jen Delvo, and I'm talking today with Jane Anka from Ministry Blueprints and Kathy McNichols from Incarnation Parish. Jane, I would love to hear a little bit about ideas that an individual could put into practice for hospitality in a parish community where maybe they're not quite as well organized as what Kathy just described to us with what's going on at Incarnation. Well, thank you for asking. And Kathy, thank you for those stories. They're fabulous. Um, We talked earlier about, you know, your circle of influence, and that just means where where do you live? You know, where's your little place on the planet? Who are your people? Who do you encounter every day? Is it someone in your home? Is it outside your house? Is it at work? So think about that. So a person listening today could just do that. List all the people that you encounter every day or you encounter every week. That's your circle of influence. You can do something to offer hospitality to those people. And I like that, Kathy, you said the word intentionality. That is precisely what we're asking is that people have to make a commitment to that what can I do for that bus driver, you know, or what can I do for the person who I see every day at the grocery store? What can I do for my husband, my wife, my children? Um, 
how can I offer hospitality? And then, so think of that, make a list of some things. What do they need? What do we know about them? And ask. So if you do have that neighbor down the road, you haven't seen them very often, you know something's going on. They're not outside like they used to be. What can you do for them? That means putting a little note on the door. Is there anything you need today? What can I do for you? It's taking that big step. And I know for a lot of us, if you're an introvert, you're nervous about this, I get it. Like it's scary business. But that is really what God is asking of us in this time. If we're really going to build that kingdom, get out there and and share God's word, this is how it's going to be done. It's going to be through you and me. Mm -hmm. You can't leave it up to mass anymore. You know, like it's just going to happen magically there or, you know, um, but it's, it's us now. So we need to do that create that circle, list that circle, mm-hmm. think about their needs, ask them, and then do it. And if you need some help, do it and, in, in, you know, include your family and your neighbors and your friends to help you to do this. And to not forget the beauty that, that can go into that and wonderful ways that you can do things that don't cost money, don't take much time, you know, pick some flowers in your yard or, you know, a picture out of a magazine that you have or you found on, the, on a meme on the internet that you might think somebody wants, print it out you know, or write it out and give it to someone. These are just little ways that we offer something. And it doesn't, we're not asking for something big, but it's Mm -hmm. just a way for people to know they're noticed and cared for. You know, Kathy, you probably know as well as every single staff person and priest who's going through this process of reopening, trying to keep parishes open and functioning, that it's incredibly stressful on you as staff and as that burden that you also spoke to with the work of the volunteers themselves. How could an individual help support those volunteers and that staff? You know, they might not be able to be an you know, an usher or a greeter because perhaps uh, their own health concerns. But what might be ways that they could get involved to be supportive to those who are able to? Um, I would say the at the most basic level, um, do your best to follow the protocols. I, I, I think wearing a mask says respect <laughs> and hospitality. Uh, there's always new people that will be coming onto the church grounds or into mm-hmm. church, and they're scared. And if they see other people wearing their masks and following, they feel safer. And that's a form of hospitality right now is to try to help diminish fear. Um, I also think prayer. Keep praying for the world. Keep praying for our church. Keep praying that that all the wonderful things that God can bring out of any negativity turning into a positive aspect, we keep searching for those. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone said to me last night, learn to smile with your eyes since we can't see with the mask. And I think there is, there is some truth to that. We, we, there's a way you can uplift your eyes and look at somebody more deeply and, and say thank you to the people, the volunteers that are there. If you do have the ability to join the team, consider doing that because teams are getting tired. Mm-hmm. Even if not, I, every mask that I'm at, people come out and they will say to the team members, thank you so much. I so appreciate that you are here to keep us safe and to keep church open. So those are all really positive ways that an individual can really spread that circle of influence that Jane's talking about. Jane, are there other stories that you have? I know you work with parishes all over the U.S., and I even was lucky enough to sit in on a lunchtime webinar of, it seems quite a long while ago, but it has to have been in the last couple of months, where there were some fascinating stories of 
how people went out into the community. They might not have been able to be present, but I remember there was someone who spoke about going to a setup where they were like helping to mow lawns and things like that for those who were incapable. And then they also started noticing um, it, it was kind of like an overlap between maybe some of the things a youth group might do and a little bit of, uh, you know, visiting of shut-ins. There's been some creative overlaps like that. Are there some moments where you've seen that creativity for those who maybe can't go into gathered spaces but still find ways in various parish ministries to support those that are homebound? Yes, there's a lot of that going on. And I um, I owe this all to the, the leaders in the parishes. They, they've opened the door so that people can dream a little bit and see what's needed. And then um, help to brainstorm, like, how can we take, like you said earlier, the young adults, you know, that we're helping the seniors in the community. It's how can we match people up to make sure that things happen? Uh, we, we've got people still struggling with technology. Mm-hmm. And so one parish out in Pacifica, California, um, gathered all their young people on Zoom and asked them to come and just say, you've got grandparents and parents that are really struggling with how to use this, how to do it well. And it's, they feel even more isolated when it should be something that brings you all together. So the young people, these high school students and college students, came up with a plan. And they started to, you know, they were just going out and about to do this teaching. They made little videos um, and helped people find them. They put them on the parish website so that, you know, most people knew how to get on there. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they were finding ways to, you know, help out. But it was teaming up with groups that never were teamed up before. Um, so that was one. Um, other ones were cooking for people. We had, you know, babies that were born during this time of COVID mm-hmm. and families that were in need. And usually at the church, you'd see a baptism or something and know that it was happening, but we haven't had those. Right. So, um, you know, it's like letting people know what's happening out there and doing the meal train kind of things just in the community. This is really important. And they never would have done that before. But right now they're thinking, oh, wow, they don't have anybody. So it's helping us think beyond, and I think Kathy just spoke to that so beautifully. It's like you've got to be flexible and willing to change up things on a, you know, on an instant and do something new. So it's just getting the right minds together and giving them the freedom to brainstorm and create something new. I think you really hit on a point that I know I've seen because I have several friends who have given birth in the last two, three months. And, you know, they do feel so isolated because family that normally would come into town to help isn't there. The normal networks and even oftentimes the communications of how you would set up those meal trains and so forth aren't in place. So, you know, I think it strikes me that what I'm hearing is the undertone is the, the call to pay attention to things, yeah. to pay attention to perhaps, especially because they're not showing up in community, as you've mentioned, Jane, the people down the street, you know, the people in your apartment building. Um, this is really making me feel like I need to go home and do something particularly for a neighbor of mine who just took her son off to college and is living by herself for the first time in her entire adult life. So, you know, to think about who yeah. might be there, especially because they may not have other community, you know, she just moved into the building last month. So there, there's individuals that we may not have in our parishes, but they're in our spaces that we can invite. And then imagine what impression that gives if in those conversations we have when we drop off the food, in those moments of uh, 
conversing with them from six feet away wearing masks that, you know, we're coming at this from a space of accompaniment, from a fact of this is what we believe as a people of faith. And, you know, maybe you'd like to join me at church or maybe you'd like to hop on this virtual gathering of women in this community or something like that. Yeah, all that. It's so exciting if you ask me. We only have a couple of minutes left, so I'm curious if there's any final thoughts, Jane, that you'd like to share. Well, the last thing I would like to say is just even if you're nervous about it or scared a little bit or don't think that you have anything to give, think of something. You have things to give. You have gifts that need to be shared with the people around you. And so just take a leap of faith today to do it and make that intentional list and, and get out there. But I love... Uh, uh, Kathy, that you said to pray first. I always, that's, that's got to be the bottom, the, the foundation of everything. Pray first. What is it that God wants you to do? Who is it that God wants you to reach out to? And you'll get your answer. That's so, so important, as you say, to root everything in prayer. Kathy, do you have a last 30-second pearl of wisdom to share with us? I don't know if it's a pearl of wisdom, but I think people at this point are so grateful for the efforts that you would make, that I think if, if, if your intention, your heart is in the right place, don't be afraid if it doesn't turn out exactly as you intended, because if you care, it will show. So if you, if you put someone in your heart and let God give you the courage to go and try to do something different, you are always doing the right thing then, because whether or not it turns out the way you want, they will appreciate mm-hmm. your effort. People are so grateful for any effort right now. So it's a time to really show Christ. Definitely. And, you know, we always loop back to evangelization and so forth. But the first step of that is always to ground ourselves in prayer, to always meet people where they're at, and to, you know, listen and accompany. And that's been the thread throughout this whole conversation today. I thank you both so much for joining us. Jane, thank you. And thank you for the amazing work that you do at uh, Ministry Blueprints, the little company that teaches, trains, and equips people in parishes and teams in hospitality, welcome, and innovation. And Kathy, thank you so much for all that you do at Incarnation Parish and in the Archdiocese. I know we find your contributions on our Office's Steering Committee invaluable. And for all those listening, thank you for taking the time today to listen. We invite you to enter into that prayer, to look around in those areas of influence, the people who live down the street or in your building that you might be able to reach out to and to support in some way. Uh, We pray that the Spirit guides you, that you find that freedom and that bravery to accompany people wherever they're at and to just reach out in that love and passion that we have as people of faith. May you stay safe and healthy, and we look forward to talking to you next month. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.